Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, we give you thanks to be in the house of the Lord. We give you thanks that you have captured our attention and we have open ears to hear your word. Give us an obedient heart that we not only hear your word, but that we obey it, that we walk in your ways and reap the fruit of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the gathering of your people. We consider it a privilege and an honor to be numbered amongst those that have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. We thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. We thank you that the word of God is good seed planted in good hearts. It will give forth good fruit and good harvest, Lord. We pray that you prosper your word in our hearts and in our minds, that it would cause a transformation of our thoughts, of our words, of our actions, that we live according to your word so that we not sin and err against you, Lord. Thank you for the company we keep of wise, righteous, obedient men, Lord. And we're in the affairs of those things that keep us from the snares of this world, Lord. The things that corrupt, the things that grow uh, old and, and rotten, Lord. We pray that we would be renewed, that we would be refreshed. Uh, we declare that we are healed, O oh God. You said, let the sick say, I am healed. And we say we are healed in the name of Jesus, Lord. We glorify you. We declare your word to be a double-edged sword, that it would be sharp and pierce between the spirit and the soul so that we might discern those things that we think, those things that we do. We pray that you would be glorified and that soon we will hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. For we uh, expect the glorious return of our Lord and God, Jesus Christ. We pray that we might be found ready upon his coming, Lord. We pray, Father God, that your banner would be our highest and greatest banner in achievement. Uh, we pray, Father God, your blessing upon your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen and amen. As we uh, begin to um, uh, celebrate, well, next week we'll be celebrating Mother's Day. And it's a glorious day uh, that we highlight what God has chosen to plant godly seed in the womb to fulfill his purpose upon the earth. And so that has become, while well, God desired that the womb would be the most sacred and safe place because of abortion, because of uh, out-of-wedlock uh, uh, babies, um, the, the, the womb has become a place not of safety but of, of huge danger. And, uh, and there's all sorts of predicaments as a result of ungodly mothers. But the, then in a couple weeks after Mother's Day, we'll celebrate Father's Day. Before we get into those two major holidays that we celebrate, fathers and mothers, I wanted um, and felt the need to touch upon this thing about raising up what they call in Spanish, la crianza, uh, the raising up of our children. Because some of us, um, don't understand that this process of raising up children um, is not to be left into the hands of the unknown. The, the, the raising up children, especially in times of troubled, in troubled, perilous times like we're living today, um, to me is a travesty. And, and I want to attack this from two points. One, from the vantage point of us who have the responsibility to raise godly seed and not monsters. The, the, the monstrosity of expression of those people that have not been properly parented is corrupting the earth with huge expressions of craziness, cruelty, chaos, and confusion. And, and so when we're talking about where's the craziness coming from, I want to tell you it's coming from someone's son or daughter and how are we supposed to transform the world if we don't address these this uh process of of putting forth sons and daughters on the planet and and the way god tends to deal with this is that his sons are going to make a difference 
May the way he raises his sons will, will be a role model for us raising our sons. And there is, there's, there's two sides to this, uh, this raising factor. One is being super lenient. Do you guys know what that produces? Say monster. When you let somebody do whatever they want, according to their perspective and purview, that's the leniency. And the Bible says it's Ichabod, no glory. If you let your son go in the direction that he wants without the parenting factor, then, then you have a monster. Now, what happens to the person that now we're going to go to the opposite extreme of the person that imposes not the leniency, but the strictness or the harshness or the severity of, of pounding your child because you can because he's two, three, four years old, and you're a lot stronger than him. You can shout. You, you can spank him uh, to death, and many people have. So you have the two wide expressions of leniency and severity, and God yet has given us the formula of excellence, which is the right balance between the discipline and the love. Okay, so, so in that regard, uh, we have the physical children that are offsprings, but then we have you that are God's offspring. And so there's the leniency of letting you do spiritually whatever you want. Don't come to church. Miss on Lord's Supper. Don't come to Bible study. Don't take discipleship. Don't become a son of God with diligence. Or it's the, the religious legalistic wanting to control 24-7. Uh, what did you do last night? And what, what, uh, what TV program did you see? And did you watch the commercials? And how are you dressing? Are you looking... So, so that drives you insane. And God never intended his fathering to create monsters like the Pharisees that had an appearance of godliness, but on the inside, they were rotten to the core. So we have the huge responsibility to parent physically. And, and I really commend a lot of the parents in this church have decided to embrace our example. It's not an easy example but it's a good example, and it gives forth good fruit. Um, then the aspect of the responsibility we have as mature spiritual parents to produce godly offspring. Listen, if you're a pastor, I'm just going to go out there right now, and after 20 years of parenting your children, they want to move to Hollywood to become like Johnny Depp and, and Brad Pitt, you, you have failed miserably. We didn't get no amen, but I don't care. See, you have failed miserably if this world is more attractive to your children than God, than being a servant of God and following the heroes of our faith and being like Daniel and Joseph and David. So here we are. We, we need to produce the fruit. For us, it took a long time, for Yvette and I, because we got called into ministry and our children were one, two, and three, and the best part of them, Christina, hadn't been born yet. So it, it, people are like, what kind of pastors are these going to be? And, and what, listen, look at the fruit. See, now, 25 years later, 24 years later, you see what we produce, and now we don't have to speak anymore. All we have to do is show you the fruit of what God has led us to do to change the world. Because a lot of people are out there talking a lot of things about the world. But what are you doing different? People criticize like crazy. Or did you see what's happening? Did you see? What? Yeah, look what's happening inside your house, my friend. That's, that's your perspective. And that's your priority because you're the parent of that house. And I don't want to come across, it's the word chiding. I don't want to call your attention. I want us to together understand our responsibility according to the word of God. And if we have a clear understanding of what is our role and what God has called us to do, I believe that the, the world will take notice and they'll start saying, let's do it their way. I love my nieces and, and the way they towed the line because they wanted the results they're getting. And they made a decision early on in their teens 
We want good fruit, so we will we'll stay away from what the world is offering. They could have gone any direction, but they saw and they went in the direction of the fruit they desired. And nobody could, nobody could um, deviate you from going in that direction. So we're going to cover a lot of ground, I hope. Uh, the premise today is raising up children. I, I don't want you to be pestered too much by your children uh, or be protective. I want you to know that you're the brat. See, see, we, we jumped it. We didn't go to your children. We went to what's messing up your children, and it's you. Why? Because you're not a son and a daughter as God would have you be. Otherwise, you would do what would benefit your children and not be super lenient on one side or harsh and strict where you lose credibility. So when you are super lenient and you want to, you want to create a safe haven, a bubble, utopia, non-existent world for your children, you ruin them to the hilt because life is going to hit them and they will be unprepared. And one of the powerful things about being a son of God is that you will be prepared in every situation to address every challenge, every adversity. Um, and it's, it, God doesn't put its bias to, to, to be put in a very dire predicament because you, you know that for whatever it's worth, we're going to face some, some big giants. We're going to face some big devils, but we will be thoroughly equipped and prepared to, to face those giants and to slay those dragons and to come against anything that challenges us in God. So let's start out with Malachi 2.15 because this primarily is what God gave me when we first started our journey when Yvette asked me to be married. <laughs> when I asked her, to be my lawfully wedded wife. And I asked the Lord, listen, you got to deal with your pastor because I'm, I'm kind of slow. And people that know me real good know I'm real slow. And I asked the Lord, why do you want me to marry this woman with a penalty of a life sentence? In other words, till death do us part. I didn't understand why God demanded that of me. And this was the verse that he gave me to explain why I needed to marry her as a life sentence till death do us part. And God was not thinking about the suffering I would have or the terrifying challenge she would have. God was thinking about our children. And that's what he answered me when I asked him, why do you want me to marry Yvette forever? That to me didn't sound right. I was in law school and I knew what a life sentence was. The criminology. And here it is. He says, did not he make them one? Talking about a husband and wife. Having a remnant of the spirit, he could have done anything he wanted. And why one? Why did God create this union one? And it says, because he seeks godly offspring. The direct result of walking as God would have us walk as a husband and a wife is because our children were in the line of fire. And when that union of the marriage covenant is broken, what comes down the pike is, is the stream and the white water rivers um, of hell. Every demon that has an opportunity to swipe at the heart and the thoughts of your children will have that opportunity. And he says, therefore take heed to your spirit and let no one act unfaithfully to the wife of his youth. So we, we already know, and for those that don't know, God hates divorce. And why does God hate divorce? Because of what it produces as a lasting legacy of cursing upon the children and that family line for a long time. An irreparable scenario that, that really affects the lifeline of the children born in that union. So it didn't take a lot for me to understand, okay, Lord, you're, will, you're asking Yvette and I to die to the possibility of a separation or a divorce 
because my children need to be raised up in a climate that would benefit their development. And so God never intended for the craziness that happens today. Um, I talk to a lot of young people by the time they're 15 years old, they've already had five stepfathers. Their family is totally desecrated. That some of them stay with their step-parents and, and their biological father disappears. So the dysfunction of the family uh, community that a lot of people are not addressing, but I can't, I can't help to read the Bible and to see that from the day one, uh, family is being diverted from all of its function. Um, Malachi chapter 4 verse 6 tells us what's the end result of this disparity when when there is no oneness and a, a son loses a father he says he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers there's going to be a connecting in that relationship because if not then the earth is stricken with a curse some translations use chaos and confusion shall be the result of the separation of a father with his children. Um, could we say that there are some fathers that come home and still do not parent their children? Could we say that some parents, some fathers come home and act worse than their children? Well, you know why? Because of the father wounds of their youth. They're getting drunk. They're, they're insulting their spouse. They're, they're passive. They, they have no semblance of discipline. There's no correction coming from their lips. They, they cannot uh, call their children's attention lest they be considered bad parents. Um, a couple of months ago, a gentleman was taken to court and um, his ex-wife files an injunction against him. He's being abusive with his son who's 10, 11 years old. And I read the paperwork like a good lawyer. And I said, you know what you're being accused of? And he said, what? Of being a good parent. Look at there. Making your children do homework is not child abuse. Sending them to their room and punishing them because they've disrespected you is not imminent danger. That's not abusive. It's not child abuse. It's not domestic abuse. It's not verbal abuse. It's called parenting. But we're getting, and we have arrived in our generation right now, that when a father tries to discipline his child, his wife looks at him like saying, you better not. And guess what? You're cursing your child. You're cursing your child of being developed into the person that God intended for him to be. So here it is, fathers and sons being connected is a blessing. For them to be separated is a curse. There in Proverbs 22, 6, we use this all the time when we're doing parenting. Train up a child in the way he should go. This in the Hebrew model is the way an arrow should go. And it's in the right tension of a bow that bends and the string. You don't pull it so it breaks and renders the arrow going nowhere. You, you, don't, you don't just shoot an arrow however and pray that it ends up wherever. It's actually a methodical art to be able to hit the bullseye with the arrow. And so you ask God for the wisdom to parent. I, I remember one day the, the boys were acting up in school and Yvette called me and says, the school called me, the boys are acting up. I said, bring them home, I'll be waiting. And I was trying to figure out and devise ways to torture them when they got home. How will I really let them know that calling me out of my work to go home because of their behavior and conduct was not proper? So I said, I'm going to lay it on them so heavy. And the Lord says, yeah, you're going to be a bigger brat than they are. I said, what? He goes, yeah, you're going to throw a tantrum, right? You're going to show them what happens. In the I said, no, I'm not. What do you want me to do? I want to follow your lead. And then the Lord began to tell me, sit them down and talk to them how profoundly you're hurt. That, that their conduct has really affected. And, and so when they got home, it wasn't a, ch a torture chamber waiting for them. It was worse. It was, it was godly parenting with the wisdom of truth. To be able to, to let them feel the father's heart. 
and the suffering of our the parent. And, and they begin to weep like uncontrollably. I go, man, they wouldn't have cried as hard if I would have beat their daylights out. And I didn't come across looking like an idiot having to apologize because I cannot quell my anger and my temper. And so here it is that we're doing this in a natural manner to our children. But how is it that we're supposed to parent those spiritually that are called to conform to the image of Christ. How, how are you to look like a son of God if you are without discipline? And so that, that's the challenge. I'm going to have to ask some of you not to come back to church because you're not doing what a son of God would do. You're not sitting at the table being an example for another generation because your pompous priority dictates that you do what you want and not what God wants. Thus making the church a, a place of mockery. Oh, the church. Who, who goes to church? Who wants to go to church? And then, and then they always tell me, Pastor, listen, it's hard enough to get people to come out for you to be kicking them out. Well, listen to me. I wasn't called to run a circus. We weren't called to make this place a mockery of those that do whatever they want because now they're not pressed for God's help. If they had a tumor in their brain, if they had cancer in their liver, they wouldn't miss a service. But in their healing, in their prosperity, they find the wherewithal to say, I'm not going to toe the line like not the pastor wants, like God deserves. He deserves our, our comporting ourselves in a manner that shows this, this relationship exists. I'm not doing what I want. That's that's what I would tell my children, raising them up. You're conscious of the fact that dad's not doing what he wants, right? Because the worst message I could give my children is that you get to do with the church and with God whatever you want. And that's so not true. That's just a byproduct of you being a brat. You, you're doing whatever you want. As I just went into a house of a man and his, his daughter was born with autism. She can't speak. She, she, can't, she can't listen. She can't obey. She's always, she's always distracted. She's going like this the whole time. I said, that's you with God. You're frustrated with your daughter, but you have become that son to the most high God. And the only way he could talk to you in regards of your disposition is the daughter, the attitudes of your children are the disposition of their fathers with their father in heaven. And so I told the man, if you heal with your relationship with God, I promise you, your daughter will heal, will, will heal. The spirit of God will transform the spirit of your daughter. And we've seen it happen for years in our church and in our ministry. There have been people that have come here totally disabled without being able to walk, talk, without being able to, to communicate. They said they'd never go to school. They'll never walk. They'll ne Listen to me. They not only walked, they ran, they broke their legs, they went to school, they graduated. And you know what the people do? They get up and they leave. After God does those miracles. And so here it is. We, we have to say, Lord, uh, as we talked last Wednesday on what it is to be iniquity, the, the profound wounds of, of deep hurt, causes our sickness, our inability to relate with God as we should. So I want to say that at the end of 25 years of you raising your children, they should defer with the utmost honor and respect to your person if you parented well. Or you've become, you've lost your credibility. There's nothing you say that matters because nothing that, that you're living dictates what you're trying to teach. So we have to go deep in these matters and say, Lord, um, we want to train up our children um, in the way they should go. When they, when they grow old, they won't depart. That's Proverbs 22, 6. We, we want to do the right thing. I, I want to suggest when those early years are impacted by improper parenting, when we grow old, we... Don't have a chance. Listen, one of the things here that we see in, um, in this particular verse, train up a child in that, that flight he's going to take, which is an arrow. That, that flight that he's headed to the bullseye, that he knows where it's at. Listen, it's sad that you were a parent that didn't lead your children 
to the model of the example that they should comport with when they grow old. So if they would have had that, they would never depart, the Bible says. But here it is. What if you have not a pathway that is broken, but what if you have a broken arrow? That the wound suffered in your youth is so severe that now it doesn't matter who tries to launch you towards the bullseye because the arrow is broken. And that's what one of the preachers told us years ago. We had a, a retreat and Bradley Stewart says, you know something? The, the, the sin of iniquity is the point of a broken arrow. It doesn't matter how hard you try to do what's right. You can't because the arrow is broken. It's not that the person who's launching it is not doing everything he can. Everything is done right, but the arrow is broken. So it doesn't matter what you do, it's not going to hit the bullseye. I began to weep uncontrollably because for years I wanted those youth and those families that I was pastoring to hit the bullseye. What is the bullseye? That you have the expression of every good and perfect gift from the Father. That when it was time for you to get married, that you would honor your parents. Not flush them down the toilet and be a brat and says, I'm doing whatever I want. I don't care if I have my parents' blessing. I don't care if we have the church's blessing. Look, when the church surrounds you with 15 pastors giving you a blessing, you know that you're favored. You know that you're going to enjoy that journey. And so along those lines, God wants us, Psalm 127 and verse 4, like arrows in the hand of a warrior like arrows in the hand every single one of us as children of God are arrows destined to hit the bullseye and there's no reason we don't other than we don't want to be in um, in the hand of a warrior I, I want to be in the hand of a sissy so so he could he could not have the impulse to hit the bullseye because of his cowardness Conversations I have with my sons. Don't be a, a coward, son. Be courageous. Do what is right. Stand right there and you'll be okay because you'll have God's backing. And there's never a way to accommodate this world by, by saying, well, if we, just, if we gently lean in their direction. No, stand strong. Be, be a, an arrow does not bend. An arrow hits the bullseye and by all marks receives great reward so arrows in the hand of the warrior so are children while they are youth while they're letting you launch them in the direction they should go take take great advantage i, I want to say the same thing that, that those people that are born again on fire for god and allow themselves to be launched in the direction of god have great reward and the other people are launching themselves other people are doing their own thing at their own time. They're not going to have the same uh, result. They're not going to have the same consequences. Here it is, verse 5. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of these arrows. They will not be put to shame. How is it that they're not going to be put to shame? Because when they communicate with every enemy that stands before them, they'll know how to respond. That's the great thing about being a son. That doesn't matter what comes down the pike, you're walking in obedience. The blessing of Jesus Christ is that he's in his 30s. And he's still doing the father's pleasure. In his 30s, he's an adult. And yet we see there in John 8, 29, the, the he who sent me is always with me. This is Jesus making a declaration at the age of 30. The person who is directing my steps, my father, has not left me alone for one second. Why? For I always. This, this, is, this is a decision you need to make at the forefront. Don't, don't call yourself a son of God when you're doing two-thirds of the time what you want. We, we cannot call ourselves sons of God. And, and you'll see right now shortly, I'm going to get into God having a conversation with his children. What would God say if he was directly speaking to you right now? He says, for I always do those things that please him. I'm always tuned in 
in my daily schedule, my daily conversation, my daily time frame is dictated by what pleases him. And we know the prodigal's parable, the prodigal son's parable, it's, it's a highlight to you doing what you want and ending up at the pig's pen, eating pig slop in comparison to what sits at the father's table. And that comparison is awesome because there's going to be incredible regret when you see yourself surrounded by pigs eating slop and not regret when you receive the inheritance of the father. When you celebrate as the prodigal son was able to see upon his repentance. So here again, this, this responsibility I have to talk about la crianza, la crianza. The, the raising up, and I'm talking about it in the physical sense with your children, you're not to make them monsters. How do you make them monsters? Giving them unbridled leniency. Do whatever you want, however you want, you'll be happy. No, we know for a fact by what the scripture has told us that he who denies himself, picks up the cross, and follows Christ shall be saved. There's rescue in that. When the parable of the prodigal, he comes back, he says, save me from myself. Make me as one of your servants. Begin to dictate me so I don't have an opinion. Because that is what is a good servant. A good and faithful servant is the one who has capacity to um, doblegar. What's that? Uh, to, to, to yield. To yield unto the directions of another. And there's no greater extent that crowns us with glory than to receive counsel. What, what do people feel? What someone else is seeing from the outside. Because it's horrendous if what's in, in you comes on the outside. And you live with that craziness. But how glorious it is for you to say, I'm going to conform to the image of my father's desire. And I will always do what pleases him. There in Genesis chapter 4, the upbringing of every person impacts their relationship with others. And we have the first story in the Bible in Genesis 4. Um, this question, this is, this is a, a, a horrible and hateful question. Verse 9, it says, And the Lord said to Cain, the Lord, the Lord God spoke to Cain, Where is your brother? I had one thought, one time I thought it was Adam said to Cain, Adam, Adam, the father would say to Cain, where is your brother? No, it wasn't, it wasn't the father, it was God. And he says, where is you, the relationship you have with your brother? And, and how horrible, this, this is the plight of arrogance and self-sufficiency when he says, I don't know, am I called to be my brother's keeper? Should I care about others that are in the family? And you have to be insane to ask this question, especially to he who brought you into existence. And, and so to be divorced from the father's heart is monstrosity. Here he's saying, should I care about being accountable for my brother? Well, we, had no, we know what he did with his brother. He killed his brother. So he definitely had no desire to, to care for his whereabouts. But I want to ask you, is your Christianity, is it tied into the family? Do you, do you care about the example you're giving the other brothers in the faith? I, I know for a fact that in our house, as we were raising up four children, they constantly looked at each other and they keep each other at bay saying, hey, look, Georgie got a cookie before dinner. Now, no. No, we're in the family together, and we all honor the same father. So there is no absconding fugitives in every direction. Um, I, you know, I don't know if, if social media is good or if it's bad, but we definitely know that the people that come to this church do not line up what, what this church believes. And with regards to honoring our father in heaven, with regards to parenting your children so they're not down the street, at the Ultra Fest, selling bottles of water as people are getting drunk and high because you taught them that money is more important than testimony. Isn't that crazy? 
Isn't it crazy that the expressions of everybody's weirdness comes from a direct result of how they were parented? Isn't it scary too? That because a lot of us were hurt and suffered things that we should have never suffered, now we have wounds and we go around not caring about the others that are in the family? Well, the great thing is that, that these needs that we had during childhood that weren't met, God wants to heal. God wants you to not use those as examples for you to continue to be the biggest brat in the block. The, the biggest spoiled expression. And this is one of the things that God told me early on in my relationship with God. I said, now I know the Lord. Now he's going to love me the way I deserve. And now he's going to let me do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. And he says, I have no brats. God does not raise spoiled children. That's why he disciplines. He's faithful to love us. He's faithful to discipline us. Talk to Renee Carroll if you don't believe me. I, I want to hear an amen now. Absolutely. That he's a faithful father. And he disciplines those he loves. And he brings us back to a relationship where we honor the father. That our lives would be consistent with knowing that this is true. And so we have all manner of expressions. We have this guy here. I'm not going to keep my brother. I'm not going to follow him. Hebrews 12.10 says, Our earthly fathers disciplined us the best they could for a short time as it seemed best to them. I, 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 want, to, I want to wonder. A, a lot of people tell me, you were a very messed up child. And I said, yeah, I had a very messed up parenting. We, we were demonized through the roof in every direction. The devil did with the Molina family whatever it wanted to. Until Christ came in. And began to love us as a father and discipline us and hold us accountable to the household of God. We cannot trample this. We're, the expressions of what's happening upon the earth in, in, in its full expression, right? in any direction that you find wickedness and you find things that are wrong, you find people that do not allow themselves to be parented. They don't want to have fathers. And the fathers they do have, it says they did the best they could. Indeed, for a few days, they chastened us as seemed best to them. But God wants an opportunity to parent us for our profit, that we might partake in the things he has prepared for us in his holiness. The, 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 the lining up with God in whatever expression it is uh, that, that he is parenting us, and, and so again, I had a conversation with a lawyer yesterday, and, and I told him, look, um, at the courthouse now, People take parenting like if it's abuse. Oh, if you don't let me do whatever I want, I'm going to run away from home. If you don't let me come in and out as, as I please, I'm no longer going to be a... Listen, you can leave this church in a hundred churches, but you're going to have to face your father in heaven one day. And you're going to look more like the devil than you do his son. Because you're without family. And you haven't embraced the parameters of the parenting approach that has to be fundamental to our spiritual expression. We cannot trample these relationships if we're going to partake with his blessing. It's really powerful that he says in Psalm 82, he gathers with his children. And this is what a conversation, if God uh, were to call his children together... He would have an expression of conversation. I love this, this psalm, verse 1, Psalm 82. He gathers his children together, and he's going to stand amongst the congregation, the family of the mighty. And he's going to direct them like he directs those that have God DNA. And verse 2 he has his first question, how long are you going to continue 
to lean towards things that are not me and show favor and preference to that which is wicked. Okay, so as God's children, there's a leaning into the Father's desire and pleasure, and obviously it's rigorous. It's not our will, not pass this cup from me, not my will, thine be done. You're, you're coming subservient to his priority, or you're leaning away from that into the leniency of that you're not being parented no more. And the fact that you're 40, 50, 60, and 70, and you could do whatever you want with your capacity to do whatever you want with what your time, your talents, your treasure. But if you're going to be a son of God, you know that this question is, is biased unto himself. How long are you going to keep on acting like a brat and showing partiality to the wicked side of you? I'm, 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 I'm confident that, that for the last, since, since I've been married, since I, I have a marriage and my children, I'm confident that even last night having dinner with Yvette, I, I had to take my, my professional continuing legal education. I said, you know something, I love being a lawyer. I love, I love the practice of law. I, I love representing people. I'm good at it. I, I know, I, 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 did, did, was there a wrong turn back in Albuquerque? Should I stay the course of being the greatest lawyer that ever lived? Or should I have been a son of God and done the Father's pleasure? Should I deny my will? Should I have walked contrary because this world has problems? Or is there a greater reward ahead of me being a son of God? Is there greater fruitfulness because I have not filled my bank account? But in heaven, I've stored my treasure. And so here it is. He says, how long will you continue to not reflect you being my son? One of, one of the most incredible things is when the world hears about how you worship. They, how come you, you're always there? And, and how come you're, why do you read that book? And how come you don't go get drunk? And why are you not at the cocktail parties? And, why, and, and, they, and you tell them why. Because I belong to a family. And I have a father, and, and I seek his pleasure, and that's my priority. And so the next verse says, he'll tell them, how long will you judge? Start looking in the direction of defending the poor, and he puts there, in those that don't have fathers. How do you defend the fatherless? By showing them the relationship you have with your father in heaven. How do you defend the fathers? It's not just throwing money in their direction. It's you being a good daughter and showing that you respect the household and you have priority to show your sisters an example worthy to model being part of the household of faith. So all these things need to be pressed. Do justice to the afflicted and to the needy. The, the greatest Need there is upon the earth is an example of somebody who belongs to the family. The biggest rebels in the world, you ask them, and, and who's your father? He says, I don't have a father on the earth. My father's in heaven. Well, guess what? I have many fathers upon the earth, and I want to honor them all because there's great blessing in having a spiritual father, adhering to his pleasure and desire. And so in that model, I'm sure that if I could bless an earthly dad and an earthly fatherly relationship, my father in heaven will be a witness of my relationship with him who I do not see. I don't want to be part of another house. I don't want to be pseudoed familyed. Uh, what church do you go to? All churches belong to God. Yeah, they all belong to God. And, and a lot of people are headed to hell and don't even know it. They don't have a relationship. They're not walking in the afflictions of the needy, honoring. And, and, and a family is not without strife. I, I think the greatest difficulties are in family. And being able to deal with them bring healing. And not dealing with them bring a effect in every relationship you'll have for the rest of your life. God has to heal us in that area. He continues on to say, defend the weak, the fatherless, uphold the cause. And then he says in verse 4, 
This is how you rescue the weak and the needy, delivering them from the hand of the wicked. I love the accountability we have at the house of God because when something happens, the family runs to the help. And how horrible it is when you're going through stuff and you have no family run to run to. You have no one you've cared about and no one cares about you. You haven't fostered relationships. Every ill of a spoiled brat, and listen to me, whether this absence of, of fathering was there because of circumstance or situation, however it came to pass, we need to heal deeply and restore these expressions Deliver the poor from the needy uh, and the needy. Free them from the hand of the wicked. You know, the devil plays with you in this affair. Verse 5, the gods know nothing. My, my, those that I'm gathered with don't have a clue, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth in their lives are unstable. Because this is what I'm saying is, if I stand the ground that I'm supposed to, my children have an opportunity to witness, and then they stand as appropriate, as a blessing to their children. But if I'm wobbly and unstable and unwavering, this, ha this happened to friends of ours. When the kids were 14 years old, their father got mad with the church he was at, and they left the church and went somewhere else. And the children had problems because they had grown up for 15 years knowing a godly family. Now they're in a new family with strange people. And now they can't connect like they connected. So now they're more reserved. And then the father got mad. And, and the children says, dad's going to leave again. He's going to leave. So now we're not even going to go to the third church. Because we weren't able to grow roots and foundations on how to deal with family. And we're popping around from church to church as surrogate parents. And all the while getting more spoiled since they're not our real parents, then we don't have to come to the dinner table. The Lord's Supper is this Wednesday. This is when the family of God comes to celebrate the bread, which, which represents his body broken for us. And some of you don't come. The leisure of not celebrating the most important expression of our Christian faith. And we have the leisure of saying, I'll do it at home from the television. That's good. Because that day we celebrate being together. And you cannot. You have to do it through virtual reality. Live in a virtual world, a bubble, so you don't have to deal with people's real problems. Guess what? I have an older brother. If you have an older brother, you know you have a lot of problems. I'm an older brother. Jules knows I have a lot of problems. But I'm a younger brother too, and I have a sister, and it's very delicate, and family is delicate, and mom is delicate, and dad is super delicate. If he wasn't parented right, because he spends his life throwing tantrums. When he was supposed to be the model of example, we would be driving down the street, he would get in an argument with my mom and get off the car and walk away. I said, we lost our chauffeur. And if you don't think that that traumatizes you, it does. Because it's not supposed to happen. There's not supposed to be behavior that's unbecoming of a son of God. And so here's the best men do. Ready? I'll just be absent. I won't, I won't, honey, go and deal with the kids. Honey, deal with the finances. Honey, deal with your Bible study and go to church and read the Bible. What does God say? And what's the promise? But honey, pray for us because we're, and you got your honey doing everything because you are a small brat, incapable of carrying the charge of a mature, responsible adult. And so God wants to deal with these things if we're going to change the world. But we have to know that if we're from a Latino background, we don't understand nothing. We don't know nothing. We all walk in darkness. All the foundations have been shaken. And then God reminds us in verse 6, you are God's. I said, you are God's. People get stuck theologically with this. But the nature of God is in you as a son of God. Christ in us, the hope of glory. I wonder if Christ would miss church. I wonder. I wonder if he came to church, whether he would take a back seat and not a front seat on being a leader and taking spiritual employability and serving the brethren. You've been in this church for 30 years and you don't serve? Something's wrong. 
To me, it's a blessing to see when I come early in the morning, people are greeting there. I think that's a blessing. It's a refreshing. They're saying, how was your weekend? How's everything going? Get great. You made it back to the house of God. Let's get strong in the Lord. Let's change the world together. There's a guy, he says, Pastor, next year we know we're going to Puerto Rico. Here's $20,000. Keep it there in a separate account. That's money for Puerto Rico. We've had it since last year. We didn't even announce we were going. But his heart is to make himself available for the kingdom business, for the kingdom works, for the kingdom fruits. Setting aside stuff for the kingdom of God. Why? I, my sons are like that, Joshua, Nick, and Brandon. They're like, listen, we're going to use our strength and our ability in the vision of our father. We're going to honor his legacy. We're going to fill the earth with the glory of God. And that's what a son does if you're connected with the father, if you're not a brat, if you're not licking your wounds. He says, aren't you gods? And he says, and all of you are children of the most high. So there's the trick right there. We can't go around like if we're being lenient brats, Ichabod, no glory. And we can't go around, you know, being unnatural religious robots. There's an expression of authenticity. And people know I love the house of God. Why? Because I'm not running out of here every two seconds. Avoiding. I have pastors that preach, you know, one, once a month and then they spend three times a month somewhere else. I know they don't love, they, they, they switch, they transfer, they get called to other fronts. No, we've been here for 24 years, and we're more excited now than we were the first day. We see God, we know God, we're marching with the Lord. Aren't you all children of the Most High? Aren't you the expressions of what the people in the world are looking for, being parented by the Lord? If not, verse 7, you will end up being just like everyone else. You shall die like other men and fall like the devil, one of the princes, one of the other rulers. You're going to end up in the statistics of the people that are not sons of God. Verse 8, rise up, O God, and judge the earth. All the nations are your inheritance. God, God created everything so that he might father us all. Hebrews 12, 5, if you have forgotten that God speaks you with the encouragement and addresses you as sons. There, there, is no, there is no word. I love how people say, oh, I become a theologist or a, the, yeah, a theologian. I'm, I'm, I consider biblical truth. Yeah, you look like the devil. You know that? You're so high and so above everything the Bible says, you've become a devil in yourself. John chapter 8, verse 44, you're not sons of Abraham, you are sons of your father, the devil, 844. He says they profess to be sons of, of Abraham, but he says you are of your father, the devil. The devil is the one that's not parenting well. He's the one that's spoiling. If you spoil your child, you're creating a monster for him in every relationship he will have ever after. Stretch around with a sense of entitlement like if everybody owes him something. Guess what? No. A son is the one who's broken and not worthy to be called son and knows the high honors and privilege to be part of the house. This was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks, he speaks a lie and he speaks from his own resources for he's a liar and the father of all liars. So to be able to be in the truth is to be a son. And when you're a son, he speaks to you as a son, Hebrews 12, 5. And he says, when he speaks to you as a son, don't lose heart as he rebukes you. My son, don't despise if God is calling your attention, nor be discouraged when he's rebuking you. Why? Because him who the father loves, verse 6, for whom the father loves, he chastens and beats the daylights of every son whom he receives. He's going to call your attention strong, especially the more you do what you ought not to do. And the day you stop hearing that rebuke, you know you've distanced yourself from the father's voice. You're no longer part of the father's family. He gives you up to your own pleasure. If you are disciplined... 
You're a son. Verse 7. If you endure this hard preaching today, God is going to deal with you as you were his son, just like you're to deal with your son as you are his father. What son is there of whom the father does not call his attention? Verse 8. But if you are without chastening and all of us are partakers of that, then you become illegitimate and you're not a son. These are dire straight days. Dire straight days where we're hearing his voice. His coming is at hand and imminent. He does encourage and he does praise and cheer you when you're doing the Father's will. The day Jesus was baptized, my, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Why? He was doing what the father had asked him to do. And he gets praise. But Cain was doing what the father asked him not to do, and his countenance was downcast. And he says, do what is right, and you'll see that you'll have good favor. But when you do what is wrong, then sin is right next to you, and its desire is to hold you captive. So if you keep on acting like you're not a son of God, and you're giving over to do completely completely what you desire and not what the father desires then you're free to be welcomed into the other family of those who do not listen to the father and do their own will and then he goes on to say you would be illegitimate and that's when he starts saying the part about we had earthly fathers and they disciplined us as they thought it right and what seemed best to them in verse 10 but God disciplines us in the things that profit us that we could be partakers of his holiness. Verse 11, no calling of attention seems joyful for the present, but it's painful, it's sorrowful. It's not joyful. However, afterwards, it yields a fruit of peace to those who have been trained, the training to become sons of God so that we could do the will of God. Let's I'm going to try and continue on this line just to perfect the expressions of what it is that God is calling us to in these days. Um, the overpowering burden to make people do what they do not want is not our calling. We're not going to impose an obligation upon you. And then to be non existence in our responsibility to connect you with our heavenly father that you might walk as a manner that pleases him honors him delights him celebrates is our desire the bible says one day all of creation will see the sons of god rise up in liberty and i believe it's going to be a good day Proverbs twenty two fifteen folly, foolishness is tied into the heart of a child and only the rod of discipline will drive the folly away from him. Only by correcting you. If nobody corrects you, then how will you fix your ways? Romans eight fifteen says, we're no longer given a spirit of fear so that you're having to do this because Something evil is going to happen, but you have received a spirit of adoption by which you cry, Abba, Father, Dad, tell me how I can please you. Tell me, tell me what your heart is that I might move in that direction. And that's, that's what the New Testament is all about. These are the sons of God, those that are led by his spirit. Not by argument, not by pain, not by sorrow, not by bitterness, not by the afflictions of their past wounds, not by misconceptions. When you're not properly in relationship with a father, all sorts of contrary manifestations are seen that are unpleasant to those that relate with you. Selfishness being at the core of the unfathered. Selfishness. And that is the expression of the last days of wicked men that do not understand that to go to Puerto Rico... And to be there for a whole nation that has been unfathered is right up there consistent with the Father's heart.
Otherwise, we have all manner of expressions that are super twisted. Father, thank you for this day that we find ourselves in the house of God. You have given us awesome responsibility to our children in our household, but to us in your household. And you teach us how we ought to walk in a manner that glorifies you, in a manner that is according to our brother's keeper, being our brother's keeper, that we not falter and forfeit this expression, that we not go astray, that we would be an example to others what it is to be part of the household of God, walking in total humility, meekness, obedience, submission, honor. We pray your blessing would be upon us that we might honor this house, that we might honor this family, that we might honor the fathers of our faith who brought us into existence out of their loins, O oh God. We bless them, we thank you for them, and we pray that we might walk in a manner that honors you in our parenting. But the best model of parenting is how we act like sons and daughters to the authorities you've put in our lives, Lord. That we would honor them, that we would have a special place for how they speak and where they speak, and that we stay in close intimacy and communion with them, Lord. This we pray in Jesus' name, and the house of God says, amen, amen, and amen. We'll see you here tomorrow night for the men's group. Keep praying for the men in Puerto Rico. Greet each other in the love of the Lord. And Wednesday night, we have the Lord's Supper. God bless you.